0: Everybody and welcome back to a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathman, here in Atlanta. And a real treat for us today, we'll be speaking with Beth Bass, who is the 2020 Naismith Outstanding Contributor to Basketball. And we had a nice conversation. I'm sure you will enjoy it. Uh, we touch on all aspects of her outstanding career, and you'll see why she was the winner of that award. That's coming up in just a moment. Want to remind everybody that today's podcast is brought to you by State Farm. For great rates on home and auto insurance, talk to a State Farm agent today when you want the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Naismith Outstanding Contributor to Basketball Award is presented annually to individuals whose extraordinary efforts have made outstanding contributions and created a long lasting positive impact on the game of basketball. And that sums up the career of Beth Bass to a T, a former collegiate player at East Tennessee, a longtime uh, director of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. She's been involved with the promotion of basketball through Converse and Nike and now Adidas. Just an incredible career. And we had a chance to catch up with Beth and congratulate her on winning the Outstanding Contributor to Basketball Award. Joining us today from her home in Atlanta is our 2020 Naismith Outstanding Contributor to Basketball, Beth Bass, a dear friend, a dear friend of the Atlanta Tip-Off Club, of Basketball Everywhere, and we're so thrilled for you, Beth. Congratulations on winning this award so well-deserved.
1: Well, thank you, Bob. I'm very humbled, very humbled, and um, appreciate all that you do for the Atlanta Tip-Off Club and for both men's and women's basketball you're you just uh you're a trooper and a you're an amazing contributor yourself
0: well thanks Uh, we want to chat with you beth because I, i think a lot of folks who know you and know of you uh want to learn a little bit more now that you've won this award of course you're already in the hall of fame but we just want to take a few minutes to chat with you and i was intrigued uh going back over your background uh growing up in hartsville south Carolina. Uh, I thought of that as I was watching the races at Darlington, not too far from uh, where you grew up. What led you to go from sort of the low country down there to East Tennessee State? How did that that all come about?
1: Well, yeah, you know, um, that's you've done your homework. Uh, I'm so proud to be from Hartsville, South Carolina, um, and Darlington is only like 11 miles uh, to the to the racetrack, and um, I grew up, you know small town and uh, around the cusp of uh, Title IX beginning and just had an incredible family. I had an older brother, Robert, that uh, he was three years older than I was, but he, he had a lot of patience. He allowed you know, me to follow him around and play whatever sport was in season, and then I got the opportunity. Uh, we didn't have a junior high team, uh, Bob, um, just because at the beginning of of the popularity of, like I said, Title IX and women's basketball. But uh, I had a great high school coach named Pat Hewitt who had the vision like, hey, I got to have my own feeder system or JV. So she allowed uh, us, junior high, to come up and try out for the high school team, which was pretty intimidating just in that sense. But I was just like a little seventh grader, and I went up to the the, the high school there, the Hartsville so High Red Foxes, and and uh, she walked to the other end of the floor and asked me who I was, and I was scared to death. Um, and I told her I was Beth Bass, and um, loved this game, and it's like lightning struck me. Um, I fell in love with her coaching style and her vision, and fell in love with the game right then, and was able to practice uh, with the the high school. Uh, girls, and that was a, a major influence because, you know, they were great role models, and I knew I wanted to aspire to be like them. So, But at the same time, this might surprise you. The timeline is that Sylvia Hatchell, now, you know, national champion at uh, University of North Carolina, she was at the time at Francis Marion uh, University that was only like 24 miles away, and she um, and Pat Hewitt had a, a camp together that they would do in Hartsville, and I got to to know Coach Hatchell, and then uh, they encouraged me to go up to another camp up at the Bowie's Creek that had a great girls' basketball camp. And Sylvia Hatchell was there. Debbie Leonard at Duke, and I met the phenomenal Coach Kao. And one thing led to another. I started going to Kao camp. Met Susan Yao. Met Debbie Yao. Met Pat Summit. You know, back then camps were your lifeblood and your your network. Um, and so I wasn't good enough <laughs> to play for Coach Al, so I went to I'd say the the uh, the B League or the we would call it the D League now, developmental league at East Tennessee State, and played for Susan Al. But uh, it got me up to East Tennessee State, and that's one thing led to another, and how I got involved with being a graduate assistant at the University of Tennessee, and began my wonderful uh, relationship business partnership with, with Coach Summit. So that's, that's how it kind of happened.
0: What a great story. And, you know, coming out of East Tennessee State, um, I mean, a double major, I'm impressed. Uh, graduated with honors, and then it was on to Tennessee. But, Beth, take us back. What was the determining factor? Did you want to be a coach? Did uh, How did... How did that decision-making process continue? Because now you you come to the end of your playing career. I mean, you've got you know your you all those uh, knee injuries, et cetera. What what was next for Beth Bass coming out of East Tennessee State?
1: Well, you know, um, yeah, I, I I laughed and said I spent most of my four years on crutches. You know, had several knee injuries, but I looked back on it and it was just it was a, a phenomenal experience. Um, I've always loved history and political science, so when I got that second major, that was just really my electives, class, I just loved it so, and I wanted to, you know, majors in journalism and PR, And but I knew, I just knew I never wanted to coach. I, I, I think I was... Kind of intimidated by it. I think that would have been too nice, and whoever had their parents there or their boyfriend or whoever, they would have gotten to play. <laughs> um, I don't think I would have been a great coach, but um, I was just so fortunate. I met Debbie Jennings, who you know from the sports mm-hmm. information world, and in her right, uh, in, in her career, she's in a uh, CoSIDA Hall of Fame, and I met her through you know, the camp system at University of Tennessee, and she said, "What do you, what's your next step? And I said, I, I really don't know. She says, well, we're hiring the first graduate assistant. Back then we called it promotions. Now we would call it sports marketing. And it was just a perfect fit to go to Tennessee and, and be that first person that's going to market all at the time, their seven sports. But let's be honest, 90% of it was women's basketball. So it was the closest I I look back on it, it was almost like being on Pat's staff. And, of course, I was reporting to Joan Cronin, who I was fortunate to go into the Hall of Fame with her in the class of 2019. I mean, it's just what an honor. So that's how it happened. And um, anything that you did looked like an improvement because there was nobody in your position before that. And that's when um, that, that opportunity to become in Pat's inner circle and just work myself to death because I was so, I knew it was, at that time, I had the awareness, and my parents taught me that. I had the awareness to be very grateful of knowing that that first position, it was going to serve me well because I was going to be one of the few women to come out with actually some promotions marketing or sports marketing for women's sports, and that led me you know on to Converse and uh, Nike and Into the WBCA for 18 years, so it's just been a charmed life, and I've always been able to be very thankful and understand that my responsibility that I learned from all the mentors I just spoke about was to to give back. And um, where they say you never you never work a day in your life if you uh, love what you do, and it's just been a phenomenal ride to you know to watch your friends, colleagues. On you know ESPN or Fox or whatever CBS, um, it's it, it, like I said. I, growing up in Hartsville, South Carolina, I, I didn't even know how to dream the life that I've been uh, blessed with. So, um, but Pat helped me get that first job at Converse, and I went up to Boston. They didn't understand me with my accent for <laughs> a couple of years, <laughs> and uh, but it was just. Uh, an amazing time, but, but, but the little niche that, you know, as we're all watching and living, you know, Michael Jordan's The Last Dance, it just, when, you, when we lived at real time, Bob, we've, you know, mm-hmm. we were there for a lot of those events, and the Dream Team and all that, and bring back, you know, great memories. Pat was uh, you know, the 84th Olympic coach in L.A., and that's when Jordan was just coming onto the scene, but the U.S. Olympic team, USA Basketball was sponsored by Converse, and um, so I got to meet those Converse executives when uh, they came in to, to visit with Pat, and they said that they wanted to hire a rep for the, the East Coast, and um, I was supposed to go work for Procter & Gamble, and uh, at that time, you know, I, I couldn't be picky, and uh, Pat called me up, you know, landline to landline, she goes, she always told me Bass. She goes, Bass, do you really want to go sell cookies? And I said, Well, <laughs> you know, Duncan Hines brand. Just sounds just like her, you know. And uh, I said, Wouldn't that well I just I gotta be thankful for a job. A lot of my, you know, classmates don't even have a job. And uh she goes, Well, I got you an interview, you gotta to fly to Dallas tomorrow and uh speak to these people from Converse. And this is the name that'll rattle your cage. Is it was Joe Dean.
0: Oh my goodness. Later became yeah,
1: he was the <laughs> vice president of promotions at the time, and uh, later to become the LSU athletic director, and so uh, that's how I, you know, got on this crazy carousel that we're all involved with, a great game of, of women's basketball and March Madness.
0: And your background, once you got into the promotional side, we'll talk about the WBCA and and, and the college thing in just a minute, but, you know, when you're in With Converse and Nike and now for you, Adidas, you're in the business of ideas. You're in the business of coming up with promotional campaigns, ideas, uh, things that haven't been thought of before. And, you know, Beth, you really did make a mark uh, that last today, uh, and I'm thinking, of course, of the Think Pink campaign, how, tell us how that all came about and because this is something that has gone on you know for decades now, so uh we congratulate you. How did all that come about?
1: so' that's a crisis is and we're feeling that right now, right Bob yes, a you know, crisis is a horrible thing to waste and uh talking about coach cat- coach Kayow, what a an amazing human being and when her second uh bout it might have been actually her third i mean she really battled it for many years. After she came back from '88 gold medal in Seoul, she got diagnosed with breast cancer, and it came back. I, what was it? I think '07 or so. And uh, Debbie, G, I mean Debbie Antonelli, a dear friend of ours, and also on the board of the Atlanta Tipoff Club alum and, and player of, at East Tennessee, I mean at NC State. She picked up the phone. Doug Bruno from DePaul was our our president of the WCA at the time, and. We just threw it up and Debbie goes this you know, Doug said, Just call it Think Pink and it was just took off because of, of Coach Al's legacy and her what she always called her um her nation of coaches. And um it was like drinking from a you know, a water you know, water hose or hydrant because here's a not for profit W B C A starting up a not for profit. But it was well worth it. Now you got the Al Cancer Fund with the WBCA as a partner. You got Jimmy V, which is you know how became. I mean that's such organic that he was at NC State and the Jimmy V knew uh, Coach Al and um, they needed a women's initiative and it just it you know it hit on all cylinders and I think uh, you bringing that up that's probably one of my most you know proud accomplishments of being on the ground level of that and seeing how Stephanie and those board of directors at at uh at the KAL, I think were well over six million dollars of uh of raising money and getting grants out there. And that's what Coach Al wanted, you know, is not just trying to find a cure. There's others that are looking for a cure. She wanted to have quality of life for those that are going through fighting. Breast mm-hmm. cancer and, and cancers that that face women especially. So um, I love that the NCA got involved with it. Even the officials, which, which Coach Out joked about, that they donated a, a, a big check to her. I think it was in Tampa in '08, in and she said it was the first time that officials have paid a coach. I think. So you know, they was just. Kate was just a, a magical person and um I, I hope and I think she would be pleased of how her legacy her legacy lives on and um so what I said about the NCA is like every year they um the 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 K Alpha will make a donation or a grant to a local hospital wherever the final four is and that, like I said it's just um it's very basketball DNA driven. You know, it just uh it really has helped our community and our coaches and I'm I'm proud of, you know, the KL Fund, the WBCA, and the NCA for joining hands and doing us a great job.
0: Yes, you are correct. Uh Kay would be very, very proud, there's no doubt. Um, you mentioned the WBCA and uh, there may be some listening that what is that? That's the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. You served as executive director and CEO for, as you mentioned, 17 years. Beth Bass, that's a long time uh, with the, with this organization. And the changes that you saw uh, with the way women's basketball has exploded, both in terms of uh, recognition on television, coaches' salaries, you name it, uh, it's a little different place when you left it in 14 than when you got there in 97.
1: Yeah, Yeah, a lot of, you're right, the WBCA is the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Um, Its counterpart um, is the NABC, National Association of Basketball Coaches, for coaches of uh, of men's basketball, and one thing that trip up a lot of people is WBCA is coaches, men and women coaches of women's basketball. And um, I think we're still about 5,000 members, and we do a lot, like you said, a lot of the professional development we do our national convention around the, the final fours working hand in hand with the nca and um and we really like the lobbying the lobbying part for our coaches and legislation with the nca and it's division one it's division two it's division three and i nai junior college community college and high school so if, it was a great challenge to me because i felt like i was a running a women's basketball company um without my own money but having to raise every penny and working with corporate partners and raising that money and and running our conventional sponsorships. Like I said back to, I just I just love the opportunity to, to market the sport and really love marketing our coaches and there's just been so many phenomenal coaches in women's basketball, and I got to work with like 12 to 15 of those in my 18, 17, 18 years at the WBCA, I mean, from the presidents, you know, and the board directors, from, I mean, Gino, Coach Al, Sylvia Hatchel, Doug Bruno, Sherry Cole, the list goes on and on. And I feel like I, them being my presidents at the WBCA, I mean, we were just like those elements of a team you never get away from that you learn growing up. That's why I love that young girls can – learn teamwork and learn how to work in a corporate situation. And uh, I felt like I was coached by the absolute best, um, at the WBCA. And we had some real battles and, uh, but we did, I think we did some outstanding things. One being like you mentioned, the, the K Al fun and, um, play for K now that it's, um, branded.
0: Well, Beth, you've jumped back in, uh, these last few years, uh, an incredibly uh massive scale uh away from just women's basketball now as the u.s director of women's sports marketing uh through adidas uh with the ncaa you are uh, breaking that uh, brand message to all levels of sport throughout the united states um and we come of course as we speak this week just after memorial day uh, the college space is um no one really knows what's going to happen next, and, and that affects, of course, all areas of, of college athletics. Um, gosh, just bring us up to date. What uh, What is going on with you and, and Adidas and the college space right now because it is uh, an incredible time that we're going through?
1: Yeah, gosh, you know, Bob, uh, it changes. Like, we, we're used to being our type A personalities. We're used to being in control, and nobody's in control, right? Right. Good Lord in this virus. Um I saw something, uh you know, sometimes you just say, I can't get in that rabbit hole, or watching the news, or watching numbers, because, but like on our calls with the, at Adidas, you know we're, we're, you know, we're trying to get, it was, a, it was very acute at the beginning, and you're like, you know, like, what is going on? You're talking about risk and mitigation, trying to figure out where we are when the you know you can imagine all of our plans that we had to activate in here in Atlanta for the men's final Four. We had our plans to activate at the women's Final Four in New Orleans, and just like the coaches and the athletic directors and the commissioners, there was, there was no script. We were, we were off script, you know, and now what do we do? Um, now we're in the recovery part of Adidas. Things are not just changing weekly or daily. They're changing hourly, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to make sure that we are ready for sport to come back. And we want to make sure if we're hoping that football will begin. And we now that we know that we got to get 14,000 pairs of this or this many uniforms or this many three-quarter zips and these shoes aren't going to make it, how can we best, you know, what's plan B and how can we make sure that we're ready to help our assets, our programs, be ready to go um, when this when sport comes back? And I say this um, very – I'm very proud of what we've done in the e-commerce space at Adidas because somehow we've been able to keep shipping from our e-commerce site. We've, you know, we've migrated a lot and deployed a lot of, uh, you know, employees to help man and that part of our business. So it's been all hands on deck, but I, just like I said, a crisis is a horrible thing to waste. So many amazing opportunities for us um, to give back. And um, and I'm proud of Adidas' knock on wood, ha, has not you know furloughed in the collegiate space or the team, our uh, Adidas team, Sports is my, my division that I work in, but um, we all need sport to come back, and we just have to have faith that it will come back, and uh, just not, we don't know when it's going to be. Um, but we, we think that when people finally can go out, they're going to be ready to, to exercise, shake their legs, um, go to football games, go to basketball games, and uh, have their workouts, and not be so isolated. So we're We're optimistic that we'll be ready, and uh, we'll be glad when when sports come back.
0: Beth, it can't happen soon enough for all of us, right? Uh, This has just been nuts. Well, this interview has been amazing. You're great, and we thank you. And congratulations one more time. And stay safe and stay in touch. I can't wait to see you.
1: Well, I like to end. I was thinking about it when those days we feel a little like, man, you know, how, how do I get through this? I think of Pat and all her many, many quotes and verses or things I would, was able to um, watch or be a part of. And I said, what would Pat say about this? And she would say one of her favorites, left foot, right foot, breathe, left foot, right foot, breathe, and repeat. So let's do that. And uh, Bob, I can't thank you enough for having me on and uh, look forward to seeing you real soon on the other side of this.
0: Beth, thank you. Congratulations. Beth, thank you. And one of these days, we'll get to meet face-to-face and we can actually hand you your award. Uh, But congratulations, and uh, we're so happy for you and hope to speak with Jim Nance, the other winner this year, down the road here on a Trophy Life podcast. A few news and notes before we leave you and a couple of sad notes. We lost a couple of giants in the coaching industry since we were with you last. The first, Jerry Sloan, who was a tenacious player at Evansville, and then with the Chicago Bulls. And, of course, many remembered Jerry for his long tenure as the head coach of the Utah Jazz in the NBA. He passed away at 78 last Friday. He is fourth all-time in the NBA in regular season wins with 1221, right up there with uh, Lenny Wilkins and Don Nelson and Greg Popovich, um, just as tough as nails, uh, great guy to be around. I remember all the trips into Salt Lake City that I made over the years with the Hawks, and and there's Jerry in the media room having dinner every night, and it's great catching up with him. Just a wonderful man, and we will miss him a great deal. And we pass along our condolences this week to the family of Eddie Sutton, as the great Hall of Fame coach passed away on Saturday of last weekend. He got the news, of course, that he was going to be enshrined into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame but won't be around for the induction ceremony itself in August. He is the man who led three teams to the Final Four and was the first coach to take four schools to the NCAA tournament, the great Eddie Sutton passing away last weekend. On the brighter side, we're happy to report the Georgetown basketball coach and Hall of Famer Patrick Ewing out of the hospital and is recovering from COVID-19 at his home. That is certainly good news. He's beginning his fourth season as the head coach at Georgetown after the great Hall of Fame career in the pros, primarily with the New York Knicks and our 1985 Naismith Player of the Year. And finally this week, we salute the great career of longtime Colorado women's basketball coach turned administrator Seal Barry. She's going to retire in July after spending 37 years in Boulder, She helped put the Buffaloes on the women's basketball map after taking over the program back in April of 1983, won over 400 games, 12 NCAA tournament appearances, and her next career path, it's on to administration. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks again to Beth Bass for taking time out to join us this week. And thanks, of course, to State Farm, our sponsor of the week. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and review. Your support always makes a trophy life possible, and feedback only goes to help us improve the show. So thank you for that. Thanks for downloading, and we appreciate you being with us each and every week. Until next week, from Atlanta, Bob Rathbun saying so long.